Chapter thirty of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred. By Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter thirty. Berlin, March, eighteen twenty one. My solitary life in Paris i entered paris by the same road which i followed the first time i gave orders to be set down at the same hotel rue de Mal. i knew no other i was lodged near the door of my old chamber but in a room somewhat larger and looking upon the street my brother whether it was that he was embarrassed by my manners or that he took compassion on my timidity did not take me into the world or introduce me to any one he lived in the rue des fosses montmartre i went to dine with him every day at three o'clock we then separated and did not meet again till the next day my stout cousin moreau was no longer in paris i passed two or three times in front of the hotel of madame de chastenay without venturing to ask the porter what had become of her autumn was commencing i rose at six o'clock in the morning and went to the riding-house i breakfasted happily i was at that time under the influence of a passion for greek i translated the odyssey and the cyropedia till two o'clock mingling my labour with historical studies at two o'clock i dressed and went to my brother's he used to ask me what i had done what i had seen i replied nothing he would shrug his shoulders and turn his back upon me one day a noise was heard without my brother ran to the window and called me i had no inclination to leave the armchair in which i was stretched at the bottom of my room my poor brother predicted that i should die unknown useless to myself and my family at four o'clock i returned home and sat down behind my window two young persons fifteen or sixteen years old usually came at that hour to draw at the window of a hotel built just opposite on the other side of the street they had observed my regularity as i had theirs from time to time they would raise their heads to look at their neighbour i owed them an infinite goodwill for that mark of attention they constituted my only society in paris when night approached i went to one of the theatres the solitude of a crowd pleased me although it always cost me an effort to get my ticket at the door and to mingle with men i corrected the idea which i had formed of a theatre at st malo i saw madame saint huberti in the character of armida i felt that something was wanting to the magician of my creation when i did not imprison myself in the boxes of the opera or the francais i walked from street to street or along the quays till ten or eleven o'clock at night i cannot even now look upon the row of reflectors from the place louis quinze to the barrier of bonhomme without calling to mind the anguish i experienced when i passed along that way to versailles in order to be presented having returned home i used to spend a part of the night with my head bent over my fire which said nothing to me my imagination was not rich enough like that of the persians to figure to myself that the flame resembled the anemone and the glow the pomegranate i heard carriages going coming crossing their distant roll resembled the murmur of the sea on the sands of my native province or the wind in the woods of combourg these noises of the world which recalled to my mind those of solitude served only to awaken my regret i invoked my old disease or rather my imagination invented the history of the persons whom these carriages conveyed i saw splendid drawing-rooms balls scenes of love and conquest soon recalled to reality i found myself deserted in a lodging looking at the world through the window and listening to the noise of my fire rousseau considered himself bound not only by sincerity but by his wish to enlighten mankind to detail the less respectable actions of his life 
he even supposes the case of being gravely interrogated about them and obliged to render a faithful account had i been in a similar position i should certainly not have deemed such a course the best as regarded posterity but i was at the same time of too timid and of too refined a nature to fall into any such temptations the scenes which seduced many from virtue caused me to feel only disgust and horror in the fourteenth fifteenth sixteenth and seventeenth centuries the imperfect state of civilization the superstitious belief the strange and half-barbarous usages mixed up romance with everything there was strength of character force of imagination a mysterious and secret mode of life at night around the high walls of the burying-grounds and convents under the deserted ramparts of the city along the corners and ditches of the markets and at the outskirts of the worst parts of the town in the narrow ill-lighted streets robbers and assassins concealed themselves fighting often took place either by the light of torches or in pitchy darkness and it was at the peril of one's life that a rendezvous was kept with a eloise to induce a man to run such a risk he must really have loved and in order to depart from the prevailing tone of manners great sacrifices had to be made not only accidental dangers must be braved but the sword of the law likewise and one had to conquer one's habitual regularity family authority the tyranny of domestic customs the opposition of conscience the terrors and duties of the christian all these obstacles doubled the strength of the passions i would not in seventeen eighty eight have entered a disreputable house under the observation of the police but it is probable enough that i might in sixteen o six have wished to see the end of an adventure such as has been well described by bassompierre about five or six months ago says the marshal i used to pass over the petit pont for at that time the pont neuf was not built and a pretty young woman a seamstress at the two angels always made me a low curtsey and watched me till i was out of sight and as i had observed this i made it a point to return her salutation it happened that on coming to paris from fontainebleau i went along the petit pont and as soon as she saw me coming she stood in the door of her shop and said as i passed your servant sir i bowed to her and turning my head from time to time saw that she followed me with her eyes as long as she could bassompierre obtains an interview i found her continues he a very pretty woman about twenty years of age dressed in a nightcap petticoat of green cloth dressing-gown and slippers i liked her very much and asked if i might have the pleasure of visiting her again if you wish to see me again said she it must be at the house of an aunt of mine who lives in the rue bourg l'abbé in the neighbourhood of the market and near the rue aux ors at the third house from the end of the rue saint martin i will wait for you there from ten o'clock till midnight and later still and i will leave the door open at the entrance there is a small passage which you must pass quickly as the door of my aunt's room opens upon it and you will find a stair which will bring you to the second floor i went at ten o'clock found the door which she had indicated to me and observed a great light not only on the second floor but on the third and the first also but the door was shut i knocked to give notice of my arrival but i heard a man's voice asking what i wanted i returned to the rue aux ors and having come back a second time and found the door open i passed up to the second floor where i found that this light was caused by the burning of the bed-straw and there were two naked bodies stretched upon the table i retired in great astonishment and as i was going out i met the undertakers who asked what i was looking for in order to get rid of them i laid my hand on my sword passed out and returned to my lodgings no little affected by this unexpected sight i went in my turn on an excursion of discovery with the address given two hundred years ago by bassompierre i crossed the petit pont passed the owl 
and follow the rue saint-denis as far as the rue aux ors on the right hand the first street on the left running out of the rue aux ors is the rue bourg l'abbé its name smoky as if from time and a fire gave me good hopes i found the third little door on the side towards the rue saint martin so faithful are the marks given by the historian the front of the house however was modern there unfortunately the two centuries and a half which i at first thought might have remained undisturbed in the street had disappeared the front of the house was modern no light shone from the first the second or the third floor the attic windows under the roof were adorned with garlands of nasturtium and sweet-pea in the ground floor a hairdresser's shop-window exhibited a quantity of locks of hair hung up inside the glass quite disconcerted i entered this eponine museum since the conquest by the romans the gauls have always been in the habit of selling their blonde tresses for the use of heads less adorned the bretons my fellow-countrywomen still observe the custom of being shorn on certain fair days and exchanging the natural covering of their heads for an indian handkerchief turning to a shop-boy who was dressing a wig with an iron comb i said perhaps sir you have bought the hair of a young seamstress who lived at the sign of the two angels near the petit pont he stood motionless unable to say either yes or no so making a thousand apologies i withdrew through a labyrinth of toupets i next wandered from door to door no seamstress twenty years old made me low curtsies i discovered no free disinterested impassioned young woman in a nightcap petticoat of green cloth dressing-gown and slippers a grumbling old woman ready to rejoin her teeth in the tomb attempted to strike me with her crutch she was perhaps the aunt of the rendezvous what a pleasant story is this of bassompierre we must understand one of the reasons for which he was so resolutely loved at this period the french were divided into two distinct classes the dominant and the demi-servile the seamstress pressed bassompierre in her arms as a demigod in those of a slave it gave her an illusion of glory and frenchwomen alone are capable of becoming intoxicated by such an illusion but who will reveal to us the unknown causes of the catastrophe was it the pretty grisette of the two angels whose body lay stretched upon the table along with that of another person whose was the other body that of her husband or of the man whose voice bassompierre had heard had the plague for the plague was in paris or jealousy had the foreway of love in the ribourg l'abbé imagination may easily disport itself on such materials by adapting to popular music the inventions of the poet the arrival of the grave-diggers and undertakers and bassompierre's sword there are in the adventure copious materials for a melodrama you will wonder also at the correctness of my youth in paris where i was free to act as i pleased but i did not abuse my independence End of chapter thirty